0: we're moving on and we're going, we're talking about one of the labels that Mark highlighted that we often put upon ourselves and that is the label that says, I am not enough. Who suffers with this one? I am not enough. It's the voice in your head that goes, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough. I didn't get enough. All those things that go around in your head. There's a, there's a few anthems, it's a human condition, this I'm not enough thing, there's a few anthems. Can you think of a song that sort of picks up on this I'm not enough? Go, Reese. Are you old enough? Are you old enough, yeah, but there's a big one. What yeah, what about me? Excellent. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that one. I mean, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, that's a big one. But, you know, I think there's an Australian version. I hadn't thought about the What About Me one, but there's another really annoying song. It was written back in the early 2000s. Am I not pretty enough? Is that yeah. just not the worst song ever? <laughs> that's it. it. The whiny country. I'm just not pretty enough. Casey Chambers, Casey Chambers that's exactly right. Well done, music fans. So, you know, and I've, I've, that song's been hanging around in my head all week. It's not a good song. So I wore this pretty jacket today (laughs) because I'm pretty enough to wear this jacket. Um, There's something about that song that sort of really just gets to you, and it's whiny and it and it it, anyway, it country music. (laughs) Oh, that's right, I was going to say about Casey Chambers. I thought if you you know if we met her and if we asked her the question, you know, do you know why she wrote that song? She wrote that song because she was frustrated because she was a country music singer and she wanted to get into the mainstream and she was looking at people like Beyonce and others and thought, why is it that radio stations are not picking up my music? And so she wrote this whiny song and became famous for it, for whining. But I think if you asked her now, I mean, she's, you know, reasonably well known, and you asked her, Casey, do you feel like you're enough? I'm pretty sure she'll probably at some point admit to the fact that she still doesn't feel like she's enough and it's a part of the human condition. So let me, let me pose this question, why is this so? Why is it that we live with this sense of we're not enough? Well, we're going to take a really deep dive into this Bible, as we always do every week. Um, this, so I encourage you to get your Elevate app, or if you'll have your Bibles there, get ready. As Mark said earlier, before we started church this morning, get it on speed dial. We're going to run through a range of scriptures today, and you'll understand why. But if you get that out, let's, um, let's dive into the Word. So how about we pray? I always love to do this before I open the Bible, because I expect God is going to speak. Yeah. One of my good friends says, we are one Holy Spirit breath away from revelation every time we open up the word. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these things that have been written by many people over a long period of time pulled together so that we could know that Jesus, you are the son of God, that you loved us and you love us. And it's in you that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And so, Lord Jesus, would you speak to us this morning? We're here and we're ready to hear from you. Amen. So why is it that we all live with this sense of I'm not enough? Well, I want to talk about the anatomy of the human soul. We had a soul song earlier. I think this is a message about the human soul. So the human soul, there's lots of, if you go and Google this, you'll find out there. there's lots of people who have lots of things to say about the human soul, both inside and outside of the church. And even inside the church, you'll find people who have lots of different ways of thinking about what is the human soul like. And so I've looked across all of those things and, and thought, well, how can I give you some outlines of what I think God says to us about the human soul? Well, I think there's different domains of the human soul. So one of them we find in De- Deuteronomy 6.5, which says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, or your soul, or your mind. And all, Sorry, that one says, all your heart, soul, and your strength. So what this shows us is that God is, has created us, and we have these different parts of who we are, heart, soul, and strength. We also find in Mark, sorry, that's in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Mark chapter 12, 29 to 30, um, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So he adds another word in there. So we're going, "Whoa! why is this? Different domains about what it means to be human. And then in Hebrews 4.12, we read this, for the word of God is living and active, so that's the Bible, it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what can we say about all these things? And there's lots more verses about heart, soul, mind and strength in the Bible. Well, what can we say? Well, I think that what we can say is that our physical bodies are, um, are not eternal. So this, the skin that you feel, you know, your hair, you think about your body, this is the part of us that is not eternal, But we're also aware that inside of us there's a whole lot going on, right? We have a mind that thinks, we have a heart that feels. There is this sense that we know that we are spiritual beings. And God tells us that not only we are spiritual beings, we're soulish beings, but that part of us is eternal. And the sum total is what it means to be a human person. Now, I don't think. So, the body. So, let me go to my notes here because this is important that we get this. So that the body is physical, and the Bible tells us that this body, this is why we age and deteriorate, but when Jesus comes back, there is going to be a time when we get a new body. And so this is not about disconnecting all those things, but we've got an outside and an inside. That our spirit, who we are on the inside, is connected to our thoughts. It's connected to our soul, and our soul is where our attitudes and passions are. So that's why when we're talking about not enough, we're connecting to something quite deep inside us. It's generating this sense of I'm not enough. So why do we have this sense of why I'm not enough in the soul? Well, let me go on. When God created us, if you go to the story, the Genesis story in Genesis 2.9, we read this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust, of the dust from the ground and breathed... Let me read this properly. Let's get this right. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God created everything, we know that. God created animals and he created people. The Bible's quite specific that when God created people, he breathed life into people. It's his breath. Think about a flat balloon. In order, to, When you inflate that, it comes open. I want to suggest to you today that we're like a flat balloon. When God first made people, it was like a flat balloon. And it was only when God breathed his life into us that we, we, it, we opened up on the inside. It's a helpful picture because this thing about not being enough is because we were created to be full. And what happened was when sin entered the world and sin entered the human soul, we still were created to be full, but sin keeps us not empty, but not satisfied, because only God can satisfy the space that he created. Does that make sense? Yeah, So I think this thing about not enough, it creates this kind of, it's a bit like, I was thinking, you could almost say your soul is a bit like a stomach, but it's not. But at least that picture of that gnawing, unsettled, gurgling away, feeling inside of you that just goes, I'm not enough, not good enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough. And no matter how much you try and medicate that with things, with pursuing interests, with, you know, whatever you do, titles, you know, going after whatever, no matter how much you try and stuff into your soul to get that grumbly thing go away. I mean, you can make it go away for a bit, right? It's like eating when you're hungry. You feel that feeling you're eating and it goes away for a while, but it comes back. You can never satisfy it. In the same way, I think that what's going on our souls when God is not present is this constant gnawing away that you just can't get rid of. The other thing that goes on in our soul is the more stuff we stuff in there that God maybe doesn't want for us or doesn't intend for us, there's nowhere for it to go as well. We can't clean out the junk in our soul. I've got a really good friend who talks around, who talks about the soul like a suitcase. <laughs> and he says, most of us are walking around with so much junk in our suitcase. You need to get it out. And here's the thing. We can't get it out. We need the help of God to get it out. Because the more stuff we chuck in there that's not coming out, that's not being processed well, that's not being removed, you know, it just ends up like toxic stuff in your soul. And it feeds this sort of poison that says you're not enough. It's a lie. Blaise Pascal, who's a 16th century philosopher, you might have heard about this thing, the idea called the God-shaped hole, Every human person, well, this is where it came from, comes from, Blaise Pascal, and he's often misquoted, but this is what he did say. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but there once was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace, which is a 16th century way of just saying what I just said. <laughs> We've got this God created us to be full, And when sin came into the world, we still were created to be full, but we can't satisfy that. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss or this eternal soul of ours can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself." So we were created to be filled by the presence of God. And it's only in the presence of God that we find the things that fill our souls. We find joy and we find peace and we find rest and we find love. We find the life of Christ and all of the presence of Christ fills up our soul, gets rid of the toxic junk in there that we don't need and don't want and helps us to feel satisfied i am enough because god made me god loves me and he fills up every part of my life when i let him i read this week in romans 9:25 to 26 it says something about how personally god loves us if each grain of sand on the seashore were numbered and the sum labelled chosen of God, they'd be numbers still. You know, God talks about, my people are like the grains on the seashore. You can't count them. There's so many. But God says, salvation comes to us by personal selection. God doesn't count us. He calls us by name. Arithmetic is not his focus. Not only has God created us to be full of his presence, but he doesn't treat us like numbers. He looks at each of us and he says, I've called you by name. I've personally chosen you. I've personally created you. You were made to live with me fully in my presence. So why do you say you're not enough? You don't have to live like that. So outside of a real living relationship with God through Jesus, you'll never find a satisfied soul. You'll never put an end to the not enough. You'll never do it, no matter how hard you try. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest from that gnawing song in your soul that goes, I'm not enough, not pretty enough. Can't get any satisfaction. He helps us to get out of that being trapped in the I'm not enough. So here's a couple of questions. If that is true... If Jesus is enough and he's filling our lives, why do we as Christian people still walk around with that sense of I'm not enough, right? Because you and me, even those of us who love Jesus, still walk around with this I'm not enough. So why is that so? Well, a few years ago, I went to this conference and um, there was like a 1,000 women in the room and the guest speaker got up and here's a thought that went through my head. That is a very unattractive woman. <laughs> And she was, she was a very, una- she was a very unattractive woman. And um, she got up and one of the first things she says was, um, you are probably all thinking I'm a very unattractive woman. <laughs> and I went, wow, okay, this is a woman i will listen to. And she went on to tell the story was uh, that she's married to, she was married to a famous man and she was actually this famous man's second wife. And the first wife had died and she was an attractive woman. And so she just put it out there and she said, I know what people say about me. I know that people say I'm a very unattractive woman. Why did he marry me? He's a very famous man. Did he feel sorry for me? And I'm thinking, this is, this is amazing. And she said, I wrestled, all, for a lot of my life, I wrestled with the fact that I'm not an attractive person. But she was a woman who loved God, and so she went to the Bible to find out what God said about her. And there's a few references in the Bible to... Um, well, let me read. She, she talked about Romans 9, which says this. One of you will say this to me. Oh, sorry. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? In other words, why did God create us to, be, to be, have these souls and then allow sin to come into the world so that we still walk around with this feeling of not enough? Like, it's okay to say to God, so why did you do that? Then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? This is why I love the word of God, because it's so real. See, God made us with this hole, and then sin comes into the world and the hole gets empty and we can't fill it except for God. And so we go, God, why did you do that? Why did you make me like this? Which is is what this woman did. And the Bible says, but who are you to ask God? Why did you make me like this? God, this is your problem. Why is it that we have to live with this gnawing feeling? Well, one of the reasons I think why God made us like this comes back to we just forget about who Jesus is or we're not, um, let let me rephrase this. I think Mark really nailed this last week in his message. Jesus makes us whole, but we hang on to the memories of what it was like before he filled our life. And we keep this toxic stuff in our soul instead of asking Jesus to release it. Yeah. You know what Jesus gives us the power to do is to go, wow, there's a, there's a bit of gnawing going on in my soul. I, today I feel like I'm not enough. So Jesus, I need you to take that out today and I need you to remove it from my memory. And I need to start walking in freedom. There's this divine partnership that goes on. Sometimes I think we have a bit of a zap theology going on in our churches. We we think that God just zaps us and we get perfectly better. And that is true. But there's an old school word called sanctification, which means, is, you know, life, when we become a follower of Jesus, we are completely forgiven, completely set free completely made whole in the eyes of God. But we live in this world and God gives us the opportunity to grow and to learn and to be remade into his image. So there is both a moment and a process that goes on. And God is involved in all of that. God calls us to be holy See, if, God, if there was a zap theology, then God would be overriding our will. And God doesn't do that when we become a Christian. He doesn't turn us into robots that just are perfectly like him. He gives us the opportunity to be redeemed, to become new things, new people, and to learn how to walk in his ways and to walk with him. It's miraculous. You know, there's a verse somewhere that says, we shine like stars in the universe as we hold forth the word of life, we set an example of showing you can live free. You can live free of the culture of captivity. You can live free of this gnawing feeling of I'm not enough. We get to do that. And we get to do that together. How cool is that? That we get to encourage one another and go, come on, Jesus is with you. You don't have to be set, you know, bound by this anymore. Let's cheer one another along and let's grab as many people as we can and cheer them on as well. I've got a friend who talks about, um, this is called holiness, by the way. There were people a couple of hundred years ago who had started what was called the holiness movement and they realised that, yes, God, Jesus comes into our lives and he gives us the power to live free of these things like I'm not enough. But there's a practice of walking every day and that means putting off the old habits and putting on the new and so my friend talks about, you know, how could we make holiness sexy again? <laughs> Let's make holiness sexy again, because holy people are super cool. I spend a lot of my time thinking about culture and the effect of culture. Culture is, um, there's two ways of thinking about it. Like You can be a frog in the tank, you know this, don't you? You don't realise that you're getting cooked from the inside out because the water's getting hot. But yesterday I also read this other analogy. Culture's like you're like a fish. You're aware that you're in culture, but you have no external point of reference because a fish is just in the water. We need Jesus to be this external point of reference. Well, actually, he's both an external and an internal point of reference, isn't he? And he helps us to orient our lives so that we can live free. We're going to read a very big piece of scripture. This is worth listening to. And, it, and I'm not just reading it because I'm running out of words here. I'm reading it because I actually believe that God speaks through his word. Yeah. And particularly in the message version, if you find it hard to read the Bible, read, read the message version, because sometimes it just knocks you in the face with the, lang- the language is really helpful for us. Right. So let's read this one. It's called A Future in God. And it's from the le- uh, 1 Peter, which is a letter in the New Testament. And this answers the question, why does God want us to cooperate with him in this? It says this, so roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. See, we're a Christian, but we, can st- we have still have the volition or the freedom to go and choose to do what we always used to do. We do. We do. But that's not holy and it's not sexy, to be quite honest. You're just trapped. You're just living in slavery. You don't have to, we don't have to live as slaves to our feelings of not enough. Jesus wants us to be free. So don't fall back into that song. You didn't know any better then before you were in Christ. Now you do. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. Oh, God, don't you want that? Let God pull you into the way of life, pull you out of the slavery. It's a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father like that. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. This is what it means to be loved, not beaten into submission, but actually loved. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It cost God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, became public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah whom whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. This is good news not just for you. This is good news for everybody. Love one another as if your lives depended upon it. We don't live the Christian life as isolated units. This is a community of love. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new, new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. That's why the prophet said the old life is a grass life. Its beauty is as short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers droop. God's word goes on and on forever. This is why we read the word of God. It creates (laughs) new life in us every time we open the word. We are one Holy Spirit breath away from revelation saying, who, this is who you are. So come on, walk this way. This is, the new, this is the word that conceived the new life in you. So you want freedom from not enough? This is what we do. Number one, we make our peace with God today. And whether you are a follower of Christ or whether you are already in Christ, today is another opportunity to make your peace with God. To recognise that we're slave to the powers of darkness and we can't get out of it on our own. There is an enemy who is a roaring lion seeking to devour that which God gives to us in Christ Jesus. But we can live free. We can live free from the culture. We can live free from addiction. We can live free from all of this stuff that binds us. But we have to make our peace with God. Jesus is the only person who can and has defeated the power of darkness. No one else ever has. Only Jesus. That's why the sheer gift of being a follower of Christ is his life, living in our life means we can be free. Whatever it is that's binding you today, you can be free. And sometimes those things come in a moment, and sometimes God says, You need to walk through this in me. You need to learn new habits. You need to replace the old groove. You're stuck in a rut. You need to jump tracks and learn to live in a new place. It's this divine cooperation. And then we get to practice living in freedom. If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. This may be something that you need to tell yourself every day this week. If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Don't live in the old patterns of slavery. Don't feed that you're not enough. Don't give it oxygen. Be free. Today, to finish off, I want to, I want to invite you to do something that is another old-school word. It's, word. it's called consecration. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, today is like the best day of your life, potentially. Because today is a day where you can say, you know, I don't want to get caught in this, I'm not enough. I I need to be free of this. It's killing me. It will kill you. (laughs) It's true, it'll kill you. So be free from it today and make your peace with God. But for those of us who are in Christ and we got caught, we've been caught in this soundtrack of I'm not pretty enough or I'm not enough or I can't get enough, today's a day to break free as well. And one of the ways that we can do that is, uh, is through a word called consecration. And when I was growing up in the church, we used to do this once a year. And it was simply an opportunity to... Because we all get caught up and we get caught up in the stuff around us and we forget who we are. And this is a way as a community of God's people to remember who we are. And that is we are people full of the presence of Jesus and we don't have to get caught in, in stuff that holds us back, including the I'm not enough. And consecration is a way of coming back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've got caught up in this stuff that's not doing me any good and it's certainly not doing anyone else any good. I'm coming back today and I'm just saying, can you, can I, be, I want to be free of this. There's a very old hymn that I love so much. It's called, Take My Life and Let It Be. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to Thee. Take my moments and my days and let them flow in endless praise. So you can sing, I'm not enough, or you can sing, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Take my hands. See, this is about, it is about your body. You know, body, I said this a couple of weeks ago, body, soul, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Every part of you is important to God. This body may be fading away, but you're not, you're not your body's still important in this life. It is the bearer of this sacred image of who you are in Christ. So anyway, take my hands and let them move at the impulse of your love. In other words, you know, I want to do what you want me to do, Jesus. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from you. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. This is really challenging about the stuff that we hold. See, money, it fills our life. We we think it gives us security. We think money gives us meaning, but actually it holds us in slavery. Jesus gives us the freedom to say, you know, take it, Lord Jesus, because I want to be free. Take my intellect and use every power that you shall choose. You know, just because you're a Christian, you're not mindless. We've got a brain and God wants you to use it. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Most of our problems are because we say we follow Jesus, but we keep ruling our own will. Yeah. Today is the day to be free and go, Jesus, my will is very strong. It takes me to places that are not good for me. I need you back on the throne of my life is one way of thinking about that. Take my heart. It is your own. It shall be your royal throne. It's his rightful place in our heart, ruling our soul. Because we're not doing a very good job of ruling it ourselves if we're stuck in the I'm not enough. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at your feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only Lord for thee. It's not pie in the sky thinking this is a day to choose freedom. We're gonna. Uh, I'm going to invite Neil and, and Andrew to come up the front with me and the music team are going to come up. And just for a couple of minutes, we're not going to prolong this, we're going to give you the opportunity... If something in your heart and soul says, today I want to be free again, I want to find new freedom, I want to grow, think about this as a next step. The next step, this is the habit of walking in Christ, in freedom, because Jesus says, you are enough. I've made you to be enough. Now let me fill all the spaces of your soul. Then you can come down the front, and we're simply going to do this. If you want to say, take my life, Lord Jesus, take control. We're just going to anoint you with oil oil in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on your forehead. It's not a freaky thing to do. There's There's a precedent in God's word for this. The oil represents the presence of the Holy Spirit and the promise that what Jesus says he will do, he will do. Our response is simply to say, Lord Jesus, I need you to get rid of this gnawing, aching feeling in my soul, or I need to be free today. And the oil just reminds us, you are enough. You are deeply loved. Now walk in your freedom. If you want that today, we want to give you that opportunity very quickly and that's all we'll do. And then Mark's going to come up and finish our service. If after that you do want someone to pray with you or you want to pray some things out and you want someone to witness with you, then we'll, we'll hang around here and we'll pray with you after church as well. Is that okay? Excellent. All right, let's do this. Let's be free today in Jesus' name.